it's just been an incredibly powerful, powerful couple days. Um, for you guys, um, the commitment, the love for your island, your state, it runs deep. Your history, your culture, um, it means everything. And then to, on top of that, you doubled down on that by being a firefighter, which is firefighting is at the heart of any community, right? Um, I, wanna, I wanna bring that up later on because I come to find out today that the community came here. And this was a community hub from the get. As people were fleeing and coming this way, they came to the firehouse. People were bringing donations to your firehouse, Engine 11. They were coming here to bring things for the other people that were suffering. Makes for a very powerful conversation, but I, I'd love to just kind of go down the road with you guys a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, and if you, if, you feel, um, if you feel like you'd like to share a little bit about that day with me. Um, it really would paint a picture as to what you guys were dealing with. Um, I know for, uh, this was your first fire? First over 20 by 20. 20 feet by 20 foot. So that was your first fire. This is your second fire. Well, I mean, we fought a couple of tiny ones here and yeah. there, but, but yeah, the biggest one before that Lahaina fire was 20 by 20. This is the largest fire in probably Hawaii's history. Baptism by fire, man. Yeah. It's wild. It's wild. I want to talk about that. I want to get your feelings and understand, but if you guys wouldn't mind, could one of you guys just paint a picture for me of like that day? I know there was an earlier fire that day. Um, that fire was contained. Uh, companies were kind of being set loose to, to go back into service. Uh, and then a little later on, the larger fire happened. But do you, you guys want to talk about that a little bit and just paint the day, paint the picture for me? So actually, that morning, woke up, you already look on your phone, you already, previously to that, a couple of days before, they said red flag warnings for the high winds. Wake up the morning up, we see that there's a fire up the mountain, actually, initially. And there was already callbacks for that fire. So I called you, right? Call, yeah. I called this guy, like, about six, five, in the morning. 6 in the morning, like, hey, I think we should head out to work earlier. Let's try to get there earlier just in case you need more manpower because of all the wind and all the down lines. We didn't know how traffic was going to be coming out here. This was the fire up country? Yeah, so okay. we noticed that thing was going. They yeah. already had callbacks for that one. Yeah. And we were on shift that morning to come in too. And then also on Facebook, social media is already saying that power outages are already occurring on the west side, which is over here where we were working. So I called him up like, hey, we should try to get out there early, try to get out there, see if the traffic is going to hinder us, if we're going to be late to work, and just see if we can help out in any other way. And on our way out, you already have lines down. It was smoking wind. It was probably the worst wind I've definitely ever seen, yeah. ever encountered. Just on the drive out, there's a place called Olawalu. Just over there, you had down lines on your right. The water was just crazy. White caps all over, just on the wind. The road and you is can feel. All sticks. You can like, feel it in your truck, just moving. You're trying to hold your uh, steering wheel straight. Side to side. Yeah. Just side to side. Yeah. And this is like, what, 7, 6.30 in the morning. 6.30 in the morning. And it was only going to get worse throughout the day. So that's just prior to getting to the station. And let's say we got here like about 6.45-ish. Yeah. And then the day started for us right then and there already. I think we're getting trucks ready. We're getting trucks ready. Um, everyone else is coming in as well. They got dispatched, and then we're just waiting for our turn to go up. Yeah, so that particular morning, I was the, we, we rotate, right? Who has to leave? If we're a full crew, somebody else is short, they take one of us to go fill in. So you're on a five-man company, right? Yes. And then if you have, if somebody's so, short, they send the fifth man out, and yeah. then you become a four-man company. Yeah, four is our minimum. So right. if somebody only has three, one of us has yep. to go. It was my turn to go up that day. Um, it's always a, we're always a little bit bothered by it, right? We'd obviously rather stay home with the yeah. boys, but right. um, this one in particular stung because I went over to station three 
they had me there kind of standing around for an hour and a half. That's Lahaina Station. Yeah, right? and yeah. what was kind of cool is they were actually building a relief crew to come out and then make their way up to the Kula fire. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, great, I get to go fight some fire today. And uh, I get sent back here, right? And then our captain uh, on B-Watch, his daughter was having a birthday party that day that he wanted to make. So he's like, hey, I'm going to take off. And Cap Kaika was like, yeah, no problem. We'll just bump rolling over to your truck, right? Your relief engine. And the tone came in. Um, these guys, or was it a tone or did they just... Was a tone from from Central for us to go over to Central. There was another fire that was going to assist in town, right by the airport. So that Central is that large one with the administration, the hazmat yes. company, the rescue company, right? Okay. I get the call to go to Central and I'm sitting on this couch and just looking at them with my sick puffy eyes like these guys are going to go get, get action. <laughs> they, I mean, the crew, like there's something that happens whenever I'm reloading, they get to go and have fun. Of course. Right? That's how that works, right? Like, yeah, white cloud you are a white cloud, brother. <laughs> <laughs> white cloud. So we... Uh, these guys love when you get shipped out. 100%. <laughs> yeah. And we so, let him here too. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> Rightfully so. We're um they get that call, they get turned around and I'm like, yeah, that's what you guys get, right? Come back home, like hang out with me, blah blah blah. And then right around two forty five, two fifty yeah. the tone comes in and we're like, Oh, like that's a that's a couple of tones, right? They they dispatched I mean every station we had out here and we're like, oh, okay, let's go check it out. Um, and we get there and kind of heavy smoke showing, right? I was like third in. You're with the relief company. I was now, with the right? relief engine. They held over here. guys from the shift before yeah. they held them over. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I don't know if Jordan wants to kind of add some stuff in because you guys were there first. Well, you guys were headed. So we were headed to Kahului, yes. Central. So they had uh, reports of a fire by the airport there. Um, and we, we got canceled. Um, Right over by Oluwalu. Yep. So we turned around. We've got our engine and we have our mini truck. Right. So I was driving on the mini that day. Kainalu was with me. And Cap and our engineer were on the truck. Um, so we turned around and we actually drove past Lahaina Luna on the bypass where the previous fire was. Right. Nothing was showing. And we came to kind of like a dead set traffic. And we were probably sitting in traffic for a good two, three minutes. And tones dropped said uh fire right there in high luna so we put the yep. u-turn where you had literally just passed we had just passed and you know it was big when they say multiple call is reporting yeah multiple calls yeah. that's that's always the keywords right yeah. so um we took a u-turn and mind you it's just three minutes or so and there's smoke pumping the wind is pounding you know and so we're all amped up you know we're <laughs> we're ready to go we pull up on scene and we start we pull up I pull the mini up in the cul-de-sac. I jump out, throw a truck and pump. We grab our NAS, I grab our NAS packs, and all is grabbing our dead lay with 200 foot cross lay that he grabs. He stretches out. We hop the fence. We both got NAS packs and we run it out. And I think mean, we extended 600 feet right off the get-go. And but mm -hmm. there was. 50 to 60 mile per hour gust, probably more than that. Was it, it was gust, but was it there also a sustained wind? And then there was gusts. I mean, I remember at one point there was a gust so big that knocked both of us over. No kidding. I flew my wildland helmet, my goggles ripped off mm -hmm. my face. Wow. And we just kind of like couldn't see anything already. It was just smoke was just lying down on top of us, trying to get to the head. I think we did get we got a good knocked down on, on the, the head. head. We got a good initial knockdown on the big gusts came through and just chucked embers across that highway yeah you guys with them were one of the first in companies then on we that were the first you were the first we were in companies and you were you were making hits i mean you're getting water on that fire yeah. yeah but everything's coming sideways right the wind is just coming down off the mountain right yeah. towards the water yeah. at that time yeah yeah. yeah so we get in there we're like third in um, I think engine three or mini three pulled up behind these guys um, Started kind of stretching their own lines. I jumped out of the truck. We parked on the other side of um, The bypass from these guys or there's like a fence that was kind of separating our two sections um, Kea, I believe you guys met Kea yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, he starts hitting something with like 200 feet of his inch and a half 
I put a NASPAC on and I'm ready to to run out. Um, but Bubba, you guys also met yep. Bubba yesterday. Yep. Bubba's like, hey, this one's pretty far. Maybe add another hundred and then and then run out the three and then see if he can catch it. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. So took a little bit of time to do that. Ran out the dry line. Probably got out there in like you know 20, 30 seconds. And the fire was right next to me. Um, we're still on the the central side of the bypass or Lahaina Luna Road is kind of the main road that runs straight up. To yeah, the, right. Um, fire's right there on the grass. Right next to me, I turn back, call for water, and I watch the water blow up the hose, come to the nozzle. As soon as it hits the nozzle, I turn around and I open up the bale, and this fire is already double the length of my hose, right? And it's starting to jump over into the, the park that's at the corner of Lahaina Luna. Is it running away from you or is it running past you? Yeah, well, past me, but kind of the orientation that I was facing, right? I had my back to the mountain, face yeah. towards the, the ocean, okay. kind of straight down with that, Got it. With, that um, with that street. And the fire was here, the street's here, the fire's here. It was blowing pretty much at a 45 degree angle yeah. into the, the subdivision. Um, it started to kind of affect some of the trees there. And by then, my engineer was already calling to cut the line. Like, we're gonna cut it, really? we're gonna move on, we're gonna get into that subdivision and try and make a stand there. Um, so we pull up. I think we might have got in there first, right? Did we get in there before you no, guys? No, we passed. No, we, we, we drove right past you. We passed okay. the guys, pulled in first. So you guys cut your lines too then? You said, yeah, our once we got repositioned. He could see the embers flying over and he's seen the spots, Cap. And he told us cut the lines, we're moving down and going in. Yeah, yeah we cut 600 so. feet there, we jumped back in our trucks and we drove out of there. Drove out the coal sack to the left. At that time, ladder three was positioning, was already positioning the aerial up. Um, we had already, dispatch was calling over the radio. It was all blurred, but dispatch was saying, structure's impacted, structure's impacted, yeah. structure's impacted. Mind you, this is within 15 minutes of, of, of the initial to yeah, 15 this. minutes. Yeah. Um, and so we pulled right past, took a right in the first cul-de-sac, and yeah, got to work. I remember that point I parked the Mini kind of right there on the side, and our engineer drove our truck in. We both got out. I grabbed my air pack and my gear. I was still in wildland gear at that time. Yeah. Um, and I kind of drove right ran up to the truck, to the engine, um, and my driver was like, there's people coming out of these houses. Over here, right down the street there was an old folks home. Um, and my driver just told me, hey, go clear that because that house in the corner was starting to go. Um, it was at that point where kind of I was, I got caught with that by myself for about a good three minutes. I ran down there solo, just grabbing people out of the house and knocked on doors. People were running up, not too sure what you guys were doing that initial. Wait, is that the moment or Leading up to that moment is when you guys realize, like, this is going south. Yeah. I mean, yeah. At, that, at that point, there was probably three or four structures fully yeah. engulfed at that time. Yeah. Smoke was everywhere already. And now, you're, now you have structural smoke, which is a whole different yeah. animal. Yeah. It's dark. The fuel load is totally dark and different. Heavy. Yeah. yeah. And the sounds, I, that's what I remember the most, was the sound of that day. It was just, sound like a blowtorch the entire, yeah. the entire day. It wasn't just wind, it was, you know, propane. propane, it was, you know, tires blowing, it was all that junk. Yeah. You so, could hear the structures collapse too. Yeah. Roofs coming, caving yeah. in the on each other. Coming out of wood. Trees, trees just popping. And you're trying to get direction from from cap guys and you could hardly hear them too. You have the radio comms going on too, it's just noise everywhere. I think we pulled in. And while he was doing that, like, right when we pulled in, I seen Cap already helping up two people just from out of a house. The guy looked like he was in soot and everything. Yeah. So I grabbed him from Cap so Cap couldn't go on radio, start with, uh, with our whole attack lines, with our whole, like, setup. By the time we got there, I pulled out a couple, uh, blitz line, I believe, put out a blitz line, and we had structures on the mountainside of us. It was only, at that time, it was only like two or three within... Our, our block. Yeah, within our block, two or three. Within that, like These five... Are residential? These are residential. Like dwellings, okay. Residential within dwellings. five to ten minutes of just pulling out that first line, it impacted like the next 
that whole street, I want to say. That entire road. That entire road was impacted already. It was just roof shingles lit on fire, just falling over to the next, to the next. Yeah. The next thing we know, we're trying to fight this mountainside, but then there's a couple of houses down the block, seaside of us, ocean side of us, that are starting to impact as well. So it's not just going one to the next to the next. Now no. it's blowing a block it's over. Blowing blocks it's another over. block over. Chunky. It's, it's yeah, chunky. So that's what, that's what kind of threw me off initially, right? We pulled into kind of the last street closest to Lahaina Luna Road. Um, I pulled a pre-connect line out and I started to hit like these two sheds that were being like affected, right? And I was like, I felt like I was doing a good job. I was knocking down these fires. I felt really good. Like, yeah hell yeah, I'm saving this role right now. Um, we kind of lost one a little bit further down. We didn't quite have the reach to really knock it down, right? And so we're primarily focused on trying to stop this guy's house from burning down. And then the evacuation order comes over the radio apparently, but the truck that I was on wasn't equipped with like different pack radios, only our officer had a radio. Um, so he blasts three horns on on the engine essentially telling us to cut lines and and dig out right and i'm kind of thinking like why like all we have left is this little fire yeah, you're progress. yeah we yeah, pull out pull out one block right and there's houses six seven blocks down the the road fully enveloped right and i can only imagine what flew through the air hot enough to touch a house and light it up in the minutes that it did Right, I was probably on those sheds for not more than 10 minutes. And just the amount of things that were already burning at full force by the time we pulled out is astounding. 10 minutes is a long time on the fire ground, you know? And a lot of damage can happen in 10 minutes for sure. At that point, you have so many buildings going. You, you, you're starting to mentally say, we have to cut our loss here, we gotta move, right? Did it? Did it occur to you guys at some point that like you're now in danger? It's one thing to put ourselves in the line to like get water on a fire, evacuating people, but conditions were deteriorating so fast that at some point you guys had to be like, holy shit, like what am I doing here? You know, as funny as it sounds, I'm, I don't want to speak for Kainalu here, but I felt like that most of that entire day, I felt like at peace, you know? I felt calm. I felt like we had a grasp of ourselves for the most part. And I kind of tie that just to my, my senior, you know, my officer and my engineer, because they had such a calm aura about yeah. themselves. You know, they were very tactful about what their decisions were, and they knew kind of they kind of knew what to do in a sense. And you know, we saw other crews that seemed a little disgruntled, but our captain really just kept his cool and kept his head going. And for the most part, we got into some sketchy situations. Yeah. But I was like, I felt confident with them. Um, and that was kind of a weird feeling looking back on, but. Makes sense though. Yeah. Right? It's uh, calm in the eye of chaos, right? We train for it, we talk about it. The demeanor of those around us, right? It's level-headedness and uh, an experience that will guide the way for sure. From there, right? So you guys are now in that neighborhood. Um, you still have your mini truck? We do, we still have the mini. At that point, Nalu and I switch, Kanal and I switch. So we had actually tried to make a stand on that little corner, right. the neighborhood for a good, almost 10 minutes too as well. Yeah. And that's where we cut our lines. I basically, I jumped in the engine, Kanal jumped in the mini, and we repositioned. Um, our egress was blocked to go directly down towards the south. We had the ladder truck was there, as well as there was a bunch of civilian cars that people are basically abandoning in the middle of the road that are blocking the roadway. People trying to get out. People are trying to get out, and instead of driving out, people are getting out of their cars, leaving their cars in the middle of the road, basically blocking the entire road and running. Running. And so we ended up having to go up the hill, basically up, progress alongside the street, go up the street, and then reposition around just to get out. Um, at that point, it was pitch black. I mean, we're talking four o'clock in the afternoon, maybe, and it's four in the afternoon. You think it's four in the morning? Yeah. It's dark. Can't see anything. Howling. Howling wind. The only, the only thing you see is 
small little embers just flying everywhere. Yeah, or flames leaking like that horizontally. Other than that, everything else is black. You could look out the window, maybe you can see the street line. Maybe, just maybe. But just a small glimpse of it. I just remember a little later, about probably 30 minutes after that, when we ended up switching, I got back in the Mini with Kanalu and we were driving out. We were driving out one of the exits of the neighborhood and it's a standstill we're trying to get out with people packing cars. So we go on the oncoming lane just to try to lead our way out and help kind of guide people out. But it's pitch black. You know, I had all our, we had all of our emergency lights on, all the lights on, and we're, we're grabbing people, throwing them in people's cars that are on the side of the road. And we're just basically grabbing people, putting them in our truck and getting them out. And was, you just couldn't see anything. Just like, and none of those houses at that point down there were impacted, at least in that section, but the entire upper was just fully engulfed. But the conditions, I mean, you know, whether the, whether the homes are on fire or not, when you have a lack of visibility like that, amount of gas and heat and carbon monoxide in the air, for civilians, I mean, I can't even imagine. I know for you guys, talking to the crew you were with um, yesterday, um, they talked about fleeing a cul-de-sac. They backed into the neighborhood, and when things went pretty south pretty quickly, you cut the lines. You were on that. Okay, so now I'm putting the story together. They told me they had three lines off. You had the line, the longest line out to the sheds around the back of the house. Was that you? Okay. So then they, they talked about the hasty retreat that you had to have to get out of that neighborhood. They said they backed in with the anticipation that they were probably going to have to pull out. Um, talking with Bubba, who was your chauffeur that day, he said um, they basically told me by the grace of God they were able to get out of there because of the visibility or lack thereof and, and being able to navigate the engine out in zero visibility through the neighborhood. Yeah, so, so to kind of attest to that calm in the midst of like the storm and the fire and all of that, like for the most part, I think it was just rookie ignorance, like not really understanding how, like understanding the gravity of the situation, right? Like I'm, for lack of a better term, I was having fun that, or I used to say I, I was having fun that day, but I'm, the better way to put it would be to say that I was getting fulfillment yeah. out of what I was doing, right? Yeah. Finally getting to be out here and do my job. Put my skills to the test, and like this is exactly what I signed up for to be one of those guys when the shit hits the fan. Yeah. Um, and for the most part, I felt that way, and I never really had any moments where like I thought this was it. Um, but the part that rattled me a bit was when Bubba started to kind of lose his shit. Right? Bubba is is probably the most seasoned fire he is the most seasoned firefighter in this station and just his demeanor and everything everything about Bubba screams being the senior man and the fact that he was having trouble kind of getting through it made me kind of second guess what we were doing and why we were in certain areas that we were you know um, if, if it was unsettling for Bubba it became unsettling for me yeah. even though I didn't really understand yeah. like I mean there's definitely some moments where we're driving past a house that's fully enveloped and through the glass in the truck, I felt like I was getting burned. Yeah. Right? There was definitely some of that. Um, and to attest it like that escape that they talked about, it, it was just pitch black. We were escaping downhill of all of these structures burning and it cast like, it must have cast a smoke cloud thousands of feet wide. Um, and there were definitely times where, when we're driving and you know we're going at least 40 miles an hour down this escape route we can't see two feet in front of us, right? Bubba can maybe make out the line as we're coming out. Um, and then every now and then you just see this glow, right? And that's somebody's house completely enveloped. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I felt like it was close, but I think we were also the first engine out. Um, I think these guys all followed behind us. Did you guys escape through Como Mai too? Yeah, that's where we... That was, I think we were one of the last. Well, we were separate because we had the mini, okay. and um, <clears throat> that's when we started kind of grand. We know when we started driving out of there, there was there's numbers number of old ladies sitting on the corner of the sidewalk. Most people there, people, people walking. There, so we stopped and started grabbing people off the sidewalk and putting them in cars that were trying to drive out. 
so we kind of in that sense did a little bit of freelancing in the sense that our 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 captain was down there's repositioning to get out of it and this was after the evac tones um, but we just kind of stayed a little bit and grabbed people and put them in but i think we were just before engine three got out of there we were one of the last ones yeah yeah, and I think Engine 3 and Ladder 3 actually got stuck in there. I think they said a pole came down, um, and they're trying to make a stand on Komomai and realize that it wasn't working, so they had to kind of drive around the pole. We had no idea that the lines had been de-energized at right. this point, right? That was kind right. of like, that was like an ongoing hazard for us. We sure. There were so many places we felt like we could have reached and probably could have made a little bit more of a difference at, but we drive in a bit two turns later there's a down pole right all the lines are coming across sometimes the trucks would hook the lines and they, like you just never saw it coming right especially with all the, the smoke um and everything kind of obstructing the view for us so um i don't know where i was going with that <laughs> no it just it's painting the picture right uh, what i'm what i'm envisioning what you said before right so you're heading down downhill to get out which is towards the water right yep Fire's coming from the top of the hill down towards the water. I mean, the only fire break that was there was the ocean, right? I mm -hmm. mean, that, that's literally what the stop was, right? There was nothing more to consume after that. But what I'm envisioning is regardless of any direction you guys would head, you're heading right into danger. I mean, the wind is gusting 80 to 100 miles an hour. That's blowing right past you. And if you go uphill, you're going back into the mouth of it. And if you're going downhill, you're running with it. You can't outrun it. I think the the hardest thing that was probably for all of us to kind of gather up was that no matter what kind of stand we made, it didn't feel like we could make a difference. I just remember, you know, we were always kind of bouncing, leapfrogging different areas. At one point, we made a pretty good stand on the bridge right in front of Komai and or not sorry, not Komai, but Kohoma Village, and we were there for. Almost say a good forty-five minutes or so, um, but it just—it kind of felt like futile. Like, there's just nothing mm -hmm. we could do, you know. Like if we—I mean, I just remember our, our driver is pumping our deck gun, shooting yeah. right into houses, and it's just the water's just dissipating. Yeah. Before it even gets it reaches it. I know um, that's been a big part of of this uh, the storytelling over the last few days. Um, we as firefighters, and you guys know this, and you're, you haven't been here too long, but you know this already, is that we don't back down. And there's going to be times in your career where things don't go the way we want them to go. There's going to be a fire where somebody perishes. There's going to be a bad wreck that we can't create a difference. There's going to be, there's, there's going to be many times throughout your career where things are going to happen that we can't affect change. We can't make it better. Unfortunately, that's part of this. Um, I can't imagine, though, for you guys, because I know the other part of this is so many of you are from or know that community so well. Here, it's so important to be involved in your community, and the Hawaiian heritage and, and culture requires you to be a part of your community, and, and it's a pride thing. It's a... It's a uh, it's a place thing. You know your place, you know your community, and, and it's your brother, it's your sister, it's your uncle, it's your auntie, right? I've been hearing this for days. And so, Jordan, to your, to your comment, um, yeah, I can, I can understand how that weighs heavily on all of you um, that you feel like you couldn't do enough. Um, but there are those times that you are outgunned, and there's going to be those times that things don't always get better. And unfortunately, that's part of this. I think what's really interesting for me, um, and it's a testament to you guys, your training, your department's training, your officer, Captain Blackburn, um, and the captain you were with that day, um, who didn't have communications, blowing the air horn. It's just a, a thing. It's like, I got to get their attention. How do you do that, right? This, is, this comes from experience and training, right? Um, to be able to keep a level head, to keep a, a sense of calm, allows for you guys to do your job and do your job very well and um you know i i can i can seriously sympathize with with how you're feeling but no there are going to be those times that uh 
that it's hard to affect change. And um, for what you guys had to deal with that day, the largest fire department in the world with all the resources in the world was, would have been outgunned. And that's, that's hard to understand. I get it. But please know that. An incredible story. You guys, uh, the most time at the table, Jordan, is you, right? So two years, two years, a little over two years. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then this is, we, we, I don't know if we caught it on camera before on video sure. or on audio, but this is literally like one of your first fires, yeah. right? I mean, so the reason <laughs> tore my Achilles in January, yeah. right? And, uh, I think active duty time, actually living at the station and doing the work is probably four and a half, five months. And that's, that's what I was dealt. And that was probably the second or third month in. Yeah. You came back around in June. Yeah, in the June, exactly. Everything that you are trained, taught, you go through the academy, do your probie days, you do your probationary year, you go through all of it. Um, it's fundamentally setting you up and giving you the tools and ability to handle whatever comes your way um, without having years of experience behind you I'm sure going into this and I think you said it best that you you didn't know any better if this was bad or not you were doing your job you felt good about doing your job putting your skills to the test and and performing right making a difference um, that's huge and know that that matters like that that absolutely matters um, you know and it's just it's interesting to hear your guys' perspective on this um, because you don't know more than you know. You will in 25 years when I come back and talk to you guys again, you know, it's like it's going to be different how you tell this story and, and so on. But I, I'm just really interested by that. And I think it's a testament to the, to the bosses that you have here, the, the department that you work for, um, your commitment to the community, the fire department. Speaks volumes, man. You guys are aces. Aces in my book, for sure. You got a long career ahead of you. And um, to be baptized by fire like this, I mean, I think it's the largest fire in, in Hawaii's history. Um, certainly on the island of Maui, I believe. Um, wild, for sure. Final thoughts, last thoughts, things maybe we didn't hit on that you want to talk about. Just curious. I think culturally, within the department, um, I didn't grow up on this island. I grew up on Oahu. I am relatively disconnected from the island itself. And even when I did stay here, I lived up country um, and I live central now. Um, so I wasn't as affected by it. I don't have even one degree of separation with anybody besides like the firefighters. I don't have anybody who's directly impacted with the fire. Um, and that kind of added to that rookie bravado that I had during that day. Um, but the next day, the part that kind of hit home for me is seeing these guys that I looked up to within the department taking it so hard. Mm. And the way I, can, I could probably best describe it is I knew I was joining Maui Fire Department. I knew Maui Fire Department is full of a bunch of badasses. And we're, it's like being a part we're trying out for a championship team, right? These guys have thousands of wins under the belt and a perfect record. And to me, being a rookie, getting that first loss isn't such a big deal if I've only had one or two wins. But these guys are coming from a place where they're 10, 15, 20 years in, and this is their first loss. Um, that was the part that kind of sucked for me. I had, I had guys that I look up to like complete badasses just break down in front of me and that was like that was a little bit hard and I didn't think it was directly affecting me like I definitely experienced a lot of traumatic things that day but I didn't f feel like it directly affected me um, until one day I felt like my wife was micromanaging me too much and I had a blow up right and I didn't realize I mean I'd never talked to her like that before the fire. I didn't realize maybe I'm hanging on to a bit more than I should 
in kind of taking on everybody else's trauma in regards to it, right? Not necessarily to make it about me or anything, but it, I didn't know that it was actually affecting me until that instance with my wife. Um, and till this day, I can't really put my finger on what the issue is, which I don't, I really don't like. Um, I like knowing the problem and figuring out a way to fix it, but I, I have no idea what to pinpoint because I still get, the feeling still kind of comes up. Um, and it kind of scares me that it's the beginning of my career and I already have like, I'm holding on to something that I can't really solve. Um, I mean, what do you, you guys have seen a lot, right? In your story, like all the time that you guys have, like, is, does that sound familiar to you? 100%, yeah. Um, I think what's, I think what's really um, positive about that is that you recognize it. A lot of people don't recognize it or don't want to speak to it. The fact that you have the humility to talk about it means that you're going to get past that. These guys here, they're going to help you and you're going to help them, right? The, the crew I spoke with last night, they all grew up together. They had this bond about them and it was comforting to see. And, and a lot of the conversation we had at the end was the, the trauma side of it, the mental health side, the um, recognizing that none of us are superhuman. You went through a tremendous amount of trauma that day. Um, and I can tell that through the conversation just from things that you were saying. Because the sights and sounds of that day are never going to leave you. And you're going to carry that with you through your career. Um, I think what's super important, though, like I said, is that you recognize that. Um, I can't promise you it's going to get any better any, any minute sooner. Um, but the fact that you understand that, um, the fact that you recognize that will help you find your way in which you need to help and heal and address that. Um, I think what's really important, um, I just spoke to this, um, not too long ago, um, on one of, one of our podcast episodes tonight, we spoke about communicating with our loved ones at home, our wives, our spouses, our husbands, our kids, and so on, um, you know, if you think to that day, um, everything happens in real time now. So you guys are working and your loved ones are at home watching it live, knowing that you're in the heart of it. And so the trauma that could be pressed upon them to witness that in real time, knowing how bad and significant that fire is and knows that you're in the thick of it. Now, you guys were calm. You were doing your job. You were professional and proficient at it. And you were not in a place to worry about yourself, but your family can't comprehend that because they don't come here every day and ride with you guys. And they don't understand how professional and proficient you are. And so there's that real-time trauma for them as well. Children, they scroll on TikTok and they're seeing live videos out of Lahaina. Your spouse is seeing it on Facebook and it, you know Instagram or wherever. People are talking and they know you're working. And now they can't get through to you because phones aren't working or you guys are so busy that you can't even get to it. But a, but a, a quick I love you when you have a second or I'm good goes so far. And so what I'm getting at is, is we talked about this. Um, Sean Egan, good friend of mine, he's a, a captain out of Buffalo, New York, very busy fire city. They go to a lot of work there. Um, he's captain on four truck up there. And we did an episode and we talked about this and we talked about the importance of communicating at home um, for you guys that are newer, you're going to have these, you're going to come across this and you're dealing with it now. And I think what's really important about that is that you have that open line of communication at home so that your spouse, your loved ones, even your children, if they're old enough to understand, lay down some type of conversation with them so that they understand what this job entails, but also that you have a communication plan with them that, hey, if you, if I'm working that day and you're aware of a situation I promise you, I will, when I can, believe in me, I'll do it. And that's whether it's a quick text, a phone call, uh, or I leave my phone at the firehouse, I never have it on me, so if you see something, I promise we, I will reach out to you. Like, have that conversation, it matters. Have that conversation that 
I saw some things that day that they're not going to leave me. They're going to, this is part of that job, this career that I chose. And it's the best career job in the world. There is, there is so much good. And the good is going to outweigh every single bad that you have. Every single interaction that you guys have with your public, with your family, with your friends, with the community itself is always a good. There's going to be some bad, but the good always trumps the bad. Cherish the good. Cherish the friendships, the relationships, the brotherhood, the firehouse, right? These are the things that can get you through those hard times, but your family at home doesn't understand it. And so I would just say to you, talk to your wife and say, I'm sorry. I recognize I'm out of character. This isn't who I am. I'm dealing with it. I'm working through this, but I need patience from you too. This job brings forth a lot of potential damage. And I'm sure they've talked about this with you guys when you went through the pro class and the academy, but there's a lot of vices that people lean against. Alcohol, substance abuse, gambling, divorce, womanizing, you name it. It runs rampant. And... Um, and I caution you guys, you guys are smarter than the generation before and even the generation before that. And I mean that in the, in the best way possible, meaning you mentioned this, you brought it up, you talked about it. You know how many guys would rather just bury their nose in a bottle, right? That's how they did it years ago. They didn't bring it to the table. They wouldn't talk about it because it makes them look lesser than the next guy. But the fact that you can address it, the fact that you understand it's okay to talk about it means that we're doing a better job at educating our firefighters that it's okay to talk about these things because it plagues everyone. And so if you have some demons inside or things that are happening from what you saw or experiences you had that day, and they might not present themselves until six months from now, a year from now, but know that you're not superhuman and all the trauma that we go through will come out at some point. And it's how we deal with that. Um, the best thing you have in the world, and I know this for a fact, is family. I brought my wife and children with me on this trip. I wanted to share this experience with them so that they can see what the Hawaiian culture is about, the love and compassion, empathy that's here. Um, and while in the face of tragedy, the beautiness of what's going to come from that, the togetherness, the, the aloha spirit, right, which I've learned all about. Um, and so I wanted to share that with my family and, and educate them that this is what it's about. And um, for you guys... Um, understand that and know that you have each other and you have a lot of other things that are available to you. There's a lot of services and people to talk to and it doesn't make you any lesser of anything if you need more help. But educate your loved ones at home. Let them know what this job's about. Um, and if you find yourself not in character or different than who you usually are, know that it's going to happen. And you're going to have to address it. And you're going to have to figure that out. And I don't know what your process is going to be, but you're already more than halfway there if you've already recognized it. And I think just going forward, know that these guys can support you because you're going to support them. And if it needs to go further and higher, you talk to your captain. This guy's a rock. And I interviewed him the other day with Captain Blackburn, and he teared up during it. And we had a very emotional conversation about part of this. His biggest concern in that conversation was about you guys, his people. That's all he cared about. Did he lead you down harm's way? Is his decisions putting you guys in a dangerous and harmful place? It's his job to protect you while protecting the public. And we had a very emotional conversation about that. And know that that guy unconditionally loves each and every one of you. And so you guys are a company. You're a team. You're a family here. And um, in that is what's going to get you through the darkest freaking days that you guys deal with. I promise you that. But don't forget your loved ones at home because they're a very big and important part of the process. And um, remember, they don't understand or know what you do. You can tell them they still don't get it. Until you crawl that hallway, you go to a fire, or you get involved in the emergency services like we are, you don't understand. You can't comprehend. So I found throughout... My years as a fireman, talking with my wife and educating her and kind of having some ground rules about when I can communicate with her from a fire ground, I will. You know, if it's something that is a high profile case, I need to let her know, you know, at some point when I can safely and, you know, make sense to just drop that quick text or something. It goes a very, very long way. So I just challenge you guys. I don't know what your situations are. I know you're married. 
Um, but if you have a girlfriend, fiance, uh, anything, just have that conversation. You know, um, it just goes a very long way. And in fact, too, it's going to allow them to understand where you are so that if you need space, you need time, they give it to you. It's important. So, And that space is not a matter of you not wanting to be with them. It's a matter of you, need, you needing that time to process. Decompress. Exactly. It all looks different for everyone. There's not, there's not one recipe for everyone. Um, I've, and listen, this took me a very long time to really understand. I thought I was invincible. I still think I'm invincible. I'm 46 years old. Been a fireman for a couple of years. I'm solid, man. Nothing's going to shake me. And then tomorrow I shake, you know? You, you don't know. You don't until you're put in that position. What you guys dealt with on August 8th in the days after and even today, every time you drive past there, you're going to have thoughts about what you did. Did I do it right? Did we do it wrong? Should we have done something differently? Could we have parked here, positioned here, put a fight up here, put a line here? You're always going to have that conversation for the next 50 years you drive past that town. After it rebuilds, gets repopulated, you're still going to have those conversations with yourself. So know that that's going to be prevalent throughout your career. But know that you guys did every single thing you could to protect that town, those people. And it was a bad day. It was a bad day. And it was one of those days that you guys are not going to forget. But know that you guys valiantly fought your hardest and worked your asses off to do the very best you could that day. You were just outgunned. So I know it's a little solace and hard to accept. But you will over time. You will. You're going to have to. You have to understand that. And... I think that's where the emotion of the senior guys and the officers and, and when that hit you, I mean, I, I am so thankful for your story because I think the thousands and thousands of people that are going to listen to this, so many people can relate with what you just talked about and you had the courage and humility to talk about that. I thank you very, very much for that. You're going to help a lot of people with that conversation. I promise you that. I just know it. I get, we get messages and comments and emails and text messages and dms every single day about things like this and um i promise you 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 guys are doing it right you have your whole career in front of you as much as you have had some dark days recently i promise you there's going to be some great days and um you're gonna have a lot of great days and i i challenge you to stay in love with this job i'm sure you are and just keep loving it man because it gives back 10 times over you give to it, just like your culture, just like your community here. You give to it, it's going to give it back. And I can assure you of that. So thank you for sitting with me today, man. I appreciate it. You guys are rock stars in my book. It's so cool to walk in a firehouse. It's so funny. Sebby and I walk in, and we see you guys, you guys are building that weight rack, right? And we met Captain Blackburn the other day. And uh, we walk in, and we're like, we're trying to get the lay of land. We always have to do this when we go to firehouses. We just got to figure it out first. It's your home. So we never just come right in and like, you know, do what we do. So we always like meet the guys, like figure out who's who, what the pecking order is, like how it all works. Right. And I promise you every single firehouse is the same, right? Same circus, different clowns. So it works. Right. And so, um, and so we go back to the car to get the gear. Once we figure out what we're doing, <laughs> Sebby looks at me and he's like, these guys are so young. Look at the age of these. This is like the youngest. This is like the youngest company, and I'm like, it's awesome. Yeah. I absolutely love the youth. Even yesterday, sitting here, these guys were young. Yeah. Tasha and the two guys that were with them yesterday, young people, excitable people who love what they're doing. It doesn't get much better than that. I don't know how many plumbers go to work excited or accountants or. You called him and said we need to get in early. Yeah. Who the hell wants to go to work early? Think about it, right? Yeah. That's what this is. That's what this is. Tasha said she came, she was off, she was sick, and came in because she heard what was happening. That's a commitment to the fire department, that's a commitment to your community, right? There's not a single accountant that's gonna come in on tax day if he's not feeling <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So, there's something to be said for that. And, um, I'll tell you this too, and I'll leave you with this. Um, your captain is a rock star. I, um, I enjoyed my time with him the other day 
from everything that you guys said today just reinforces exactly how I feel about him just meeting him the other day for the first time and that I challenge you as you go through your career here emulate people that you want to be like and um, there are when you have good people in front of you you learn from good people and you learn from bad people the bad people teach you how you don't want to be mm -hmm. the good people teach you you want to be better Surround yourself with people that push each other to be better. And after hearing your stories today, you guys certainly push each other and challenge each other. Um, you have an incredible mutual respect for one another. I see it. I felt it in this conversation. So just know that those are the good things. Those are the things that will get you through the dark days. But you got to give all in and be a part of it. So thank you, fellas. I appreciate you guys very much, man. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you. Now get back to building your weight rack and uh, going back. <laughs> and we'll get out of your hair. But I just, it's, it's just so important to me to have these conversations. And, you know, I was talking to your captain and he's like, they're all young. He's like, uh, you know, he's like, you might, because I asked him, I, I said to him candidly, I said, what do you, what do you want me to talk to these guys about? Like, is there anything you want me to address or anything to bring up? He's like, no, he's like, they're, they're solid guys. He's like, they're young, they're aggressive, they're excitable. He said, just talk to them about their day. And uh, he gave you guys a lot of props too. Um, and he that, said that's huge by the way awesome. to have your captain especially you guys being so new into the service and, and all of that for him to speak so highly of you guys huge know that the most senior guy that day was challenged just like you everybody got challenged that day more so than they ever wanted to be in their career it's just one of those days. It's now how do you come back from it, you know? And um, it's going to be a long road, and you guys are the heart of the community. Firehouse, so we talked about it before. Everybody brought their supplies here. Everybody comes to the firehouse. So you're the heart of the community. And, um, you know, during the process of cleanup, recovery, rebuilding, all of it, it's going to be a very, very long process communities that go through destruction and devastation like that um, take a long time to come back but the heart is at the firehouse you guys are the heart of the community your people believe in you and uh, and you guys are going to be a part of that process and it's important and you got to be strong for the community and, and lead out front and um, whether you're one degree or 12 degrees separated it doesn't matter you're part of the community it's all that matters so powerful guys. Thank you.